1: This is the Joe and Amber Podcast.
0: That was some serious July 4th content here on ESPN Radio. And I was filling in for the morning show with Drew Carter. Rob Guerrero filling in tonight for Joe Fortenbaugh. Rob, say that tomato condiment that you put on top of hot dogs and hamburgers.
2: Ketchup. It's, like it's ketchup. It's cat? Cat? No, or cat. Ket. Ketchup. K-E-T-C-H-U-P. Cat. Ket. Cat. Ket. 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 I don't really see
0: what I'm saying wrong, to be honest with you. I mean, people have been roasting me for it forever, but it sounds all the same to me. Ketchup, ketchup. I
2: did a lot of editing. You could not say ketchup. (laughs) I don't know know what you were trying to say, but it wasn't that. I mean, it may be tomato, tomato, but it's not ketchup and ketchup. It's ketchup. That's it. It's ketchup.
3: I'm team ketchup, Amber.
0: Thank you. And you know, the origin of ketchup is apparently catsup. And so listeners started sending me that and it's actually like C-A-T-S-U-P. So apparently there is a cat. So I don't know how we went from cats up to ketchup. Okay, just hop in your time machine. What we did
2: go back, you know, hundreds of years when they were saying cats (laughs) up and you'll be good. I think I just know more about the development of language (laughs) in this country than everybody else. That's what it it is.
0: Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Well, somebody who may need to know more than everybody else is Daryl Morey, because right now it doesn't seem like there's a very robust trade market for James Harden, who is opting into his final year of his contract, his player option. He is right now a Philadelphia 76er. He is also a player that seems like he wants to be on the move. Yet the Sixers have not gotten anywhere in trading him at least not yet and we are hearing Zach Lowe on the low post said that he's not sure that there's been much of a market for him we know the Clippers have been floated out there as a team that might be interested it might be where in fact James Harden wants to go but you're talking about an older player Heading into the final year of his contract, he could pan out to be a rental there, Rob. And there's also problems with James Harden and talking him into staying with your franchise. And who knows what the future holds.
2: I wouldn't want James Harden if it were me. I'm not breaking down my door to get James Harden and bring him into my organization. I'll tell you that. I mean, I saw him in the playoffs, not just this year, but multiple years shrink and just go into a shell, and that's not what you need. You're getting him to make a push in the playoffs. That's just not who he is. Plus, he's 34. No player in the league has logged more minutes in the NBA over the last 11 years than James Harden. I want no part of it.
0: Uh, I would maybe disagree from the perspective of what you just said. It's the player that has locked so many minutes. Obviously it's James Harden. There's still talent there and if you are talking about him going to a Clippers organization, you're talking about a team that needs availability and that is the one thing that James Harden can typically bring to the table is certainly availability. So although the consistency might not be there in the postseason, he is good for a couple monster performances and also he's a body that's available to you during the regular season. That might be something that Los Angeles should be looking into, but they do seem interested. The problem is, they don't seem very willing to give whatever it is that Daryl Morey's waiting on. And I think we've seen before with Philadelphia, they are very willing to be patient. I mean, you saw them just ride out with Ben Simmons for an entire season. Okay, James, are you going to show up or are you not going to show up? I'll take my time here. But if you do want to get something back in return for him, then this is, of course, the season, you have to trade him, but you could take a little bit more time here in doing so. So maybe they'll be patient on that front. The one thing that could change that equation is if they are genuinely, truly in the sweepstakes here for Damian Lillard. And there seems to be some conflicting reports. And here's the conflict. You would assume if they wanted Damian Lillard, they would have to trade away Tyrese Maxey because they've got to trade away somebody. And that seems like the piece most likely for them to be able to move that people would actually give decent value for. Now maybe it's not straight up to the Blazers because they probably aren't stockpiling guards, but it could be a three-team trade. However, we heard from Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective that apparently the Sixers aren't willing to part with Tyrese Maxey, even for prime Michael Jordan, (laughs) 25-year-old LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, if he wants to be a Sixer, quote-unquote, just keep walking. It's the most absurd thing I have ever heard in my life, Rob.
2: Yeah, it sounds like posturing to me. I mean, we get it. You really, really don't want to give him up, but everybody's got a price, right? Not to go million dollar man on you, but there has to be some offer that would come along where they would say, yeah, okay, we'll get this done. I just, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to move James Harden. And here's the other part of this is, can you get enough back to contend if you're the Sixers? Because if you don't contend, or you don't get enough back, Joel Embiid is not going to want to stick around to rebuild this thing back up again. That's the other sort of dark cloud that is looming in Philadelphia right now is that Embiid is there, and unless you can give him a real team and keep him happy, he's going to leave.
0: Joel Embiid tweeted out a few days ago, The Watcher. So he's watching, apparently. I think that's what (laughs) that means. I'm not really sure. You know, kids these days. Uh, This is how they handle social media, Rob. But I think that means he's watching. And that he means that he's watching everything that the Philadelphia 76ers are doing. Now, if they seem content in getting rid of James Harden, or if he's trying to force their hand at doing so, which we know James Harden loves to do with these franchises, then maybe they would be even more into the idea of bringing in Damian Lillard to try to appease Joel Embiid for all the reasons that you just said. You've got to appease that reigning MVP. Alan Hahn, co-host of Barton Hahn here on ESPN Radio, said that he thinks that 76ers and Dame might be the perfect pair.
1: If you talk
2: about need, it's the Sixers. They have not gotten over the hump of the second round in seven years. That's a serious problem they got going on there in Philly. And Joel Embiid is going to have to start wondering, can we get this done? And if they run it back with James Harden and Tobias Harris on expiring contracts, Mm. I just don't know if that's good enough. So you add a guy like Lillard, you know what you just added? The piece you've been missing all along. Because closing has been the Sixers' biggest problem, especially last year in that series against the Celtics in in the fourth quarters of Game 6 and, of course, Game 7 as well. They get themselves a bona fide closer. You can finally get over the top. So I would say the urgency is in Philadelphia more than anywhere else.
0: Maybe so. I mean, I have to be honest. I don't know if Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard, just those two guys, because you're decimating the rest of your team in that equation. I don't know if they're winning a championship, but certainly something has to change in Philadelphia. And I understand the philosophy behind it. If you're moving James Harden, and they've been also in talks to move Tobias Harris. Now, again, a player they're asking up, apparently way too much for when the Cavs were reportedly interested in acquiring him. But if you are actually going to get realistic at some point, and trade both of those guys, then you would need to be looking for another way to try to appease Joel Embiid.
2: I would love Dame with Embiid because they're complements; They're not substitutes, right? You've got Dame as a guard. You've got Embiid down low. They'll work together. It's not a situation where they're going to be fighting each other for the ball. I absolutely love that pairing if it happened, but you're right. You're probably going to have to give up the other pieces around them, and then what are you left with? That may not be enough But I think if you're Philly and you're Daryl Morey, you're like, you know what? I'll take my chances with those two and I'll figure it out because what you've got right now hasn't worked anyway
0: solid points why not because getting bounced in the second round has been the MO for far too long there in Philadelphia so you might as well throw whatever you can against the wall and hope that it sticks we'll see also there's the factor of Damian Lillard didn't seem to have the 76ers on his top destinations by any means so maybe there's a reason for that coming up next here on ESPN radio I ranked my top five home field advantages earlier in this show if you missed anything here on Joe and Amber you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app it is Rob's turn to do the same we'll hear his list next espn radio is also on the espn app
1: joe and amber the podcast
2: we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: We love to rank things, so we're going to do a little bit more of that. Rob Guerrero filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So earlier in the show, I gave my top five home field advantages in the NFL. It is Rob's turn. Let's get to it.
1: From the top five NFL quarterbacks. So badly want to bring Super Bowl here to Buffalo.
0: Herbert rolling right, throws, touchdown.
1: To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's. Go. Rank them. The top five home field advantages. Number five.
2: All right, I'm going to Pittsburgh first and foremost. There are three things I think of when I think of home field advantage. Volume from the crowd, field conditions, and weather. And Pittsburgh has all of those. Kickers struggle to kick there. Oh, by the way, the Steelers never stink. They might not be great, but they never stink. I'm going Pittsburgh at number five.
0: I don't have a problem with Pittsburgh being on this list. I struggled frankly not putting them on my list, but they were one of the teams that I strongly considered that is a decided home field advantage. I have zero issue with that. All you had to really say was Mike Tomlin's here. And sure, <laughs> home field advantage.
1: Number 4,
2: US Bank Stadium in Minnesota. First of all, it is loud. It's one of only 6 stadiums to get to 120 decibels. And they have the best record of any indoor team over the last three years. And it's not like they have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, too. I give a lot of credit to Minnesota. They've won 68% of their games there. U.S. Bank Stadium is number four.
0: Obviously, if you look at the record, and I said earlier, when I was putting together my list, I was really struggling. And Minnesota was one of those teams because clearly they have been so good at home here the last few years. When I was putting this list, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm just going purely by record, then all we're doing is ranking the teams with the best records easy. Home field advantage, best home record, bada bing, bada boom, we're done. Minnesota kind of falls into that category for me. They're a very good home field advantage, but I don't think of them actually as one of the more iconic, I suppose, home field
2: advantages in the NFL. Number three. You had them at number one. I'm going Green Bay and Lambeau Field. Look, it took 46 years for the Packers to lose their first home playoff game there. I know they've had some home losses recently at Lambeau. When you play the 49ers, that tends to happen, just saying. But it's cold there, obviously. The field can get very, very chewed up. Plus, I think there are ghosts there, and I do think that matters when you get tight in close games. I'm going Lambeau field number three. See, now we're talking. I mean,
0: Minnesota, we're
2: insulated
0: from the elements. Green Bay, that's real football. Green Bay absolutely was number one on my list. They actually have the best home record over the last five years, but they're also iconic, speaking of me making that reference there to iconic. That is an iconic home field advantage for a variety of reasons. None probably more important than the actual weather.
1: Number two.
2: Lumen Field in Seattle. I mentioned it earlier. It's literally built to be loud there that does affect teams we've seen it with false starts and penalties it's definitely a factor plus it's seattle so you could you could get one of those cold wet just raw days anytime you're there that's no fun to play with plus weird stuff happens in seattle remember the <laughs> fail mary That was in Seattle. The illegal bat penalty in 2017 where the guy knocks the ball out of bounds and the ref is staring at him the whole time and he should have called a penalty. He doesn't call it. Seahawks get away with that. And even last year, week 18 against the Rams, Seahawks need to win to get into the playoffs. There were so many calls that favored the Seahawks in that game. Other people in the league started complaining about the state of the officiating. Weird stuff happens in Seattle. They're number two on my list.
0: So they were number four on my list. The only reason I didn't have them higher, and frankly, even consider not putting them on my list at all, is because, again, it's that issue with the team's not good. And so is the 12th man still the same? But you got to give respect to that fan base. You're right, the weather there. I don't think of Seattle as a place... When we're considering, you know, a Green Bay, Wisconsin or a Buffalo, New York, but the weather certainly can be a factor in Seattle. That Seattle rain is just relentless. It's not like a Florida rain. It's more like a mist, but it never goes away. It's constant. (laughs) And it's also gray as heck. So, you know, you go there for a game, you might get a little depressed, maybe. Maybe that'll seep into your soul a little bit because it's gray and dreary. So, yes, I actually do think well, there's a factor there in Seattle, but more than anything, it is just a nod to those fans, the way that stadium is designed and how loud those fans get to take advantage of that stadium design. It is the 12th man for a reason. Shout out to the Seattle Seahawks fans.
1: Number one.
2: It might be obvious, but sometimes the low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. I'm going Arrowhead, Okay. Patrick Mahomes is there, first and foremost. But also, they don't need to engineer things to make it loud there. It is one of the loudest stadiums in the entire league. And oh, by the way, they've won 77% of their games there the past three years. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes has never lost more than three home games in a season?
0: Ridiculous. I
2: hate that guy.
0: I do too. I I hate that guy. I'm laying it out there. What? the guy who produces this show, who's obsessed with that guy, he's kind of annoying as well, this James Steele. There was no part of me after working with James for as long as I have been, that was going to have Kansas City as number one on this list. Uh, uh, but I have no problem with you having Kansas City number one on your list. I had to do something to drive James' Steele a little bit crazy. I think right now most people probably consider Kansas City the hardest place to play. That has everything to do with the environment there, the fans, but also the success of that team. Let's be real. <laughs> that environment is so good because that team is so good, and they give their fans everything to root for there in Kansas City. It is loud as heck there in Arrowhead it is an incredibly difficult place to play so there you go his top five Pittsburgh Minnesota Green Bay Seattle Kansas City now
2: I think we can all agree that his list is better than yours no so, wow. yeah. no we cannot all I agree. think I think it's unanimous now there's some
0: teams that. that neither of us had. it's I mean there's nothing unanimous about it in fact uh that not there's teams that neither of us had on our lists neither of us gave a nod To the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, actually the third best home winning record here over the last five years, just behind the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought that was interesting when I looked it up. Obviously, you have that stadium there in Dallas. It's Big D. It's Jerry Jones. It's the star on the helmets. You know, it's the franchise that none of us can shut up about
2: about on a national level. But here's the problem with Dallas is the way the stadium is designed, Jerry Jones cared more about how it looked than how it actually played. The sun there blinds the Cowboys as much as it does the other team. So right. it can't be a home field advantage if you can't see in your own stadium. right? When you go to Miami, they put the visitors in the sun, right? Oh, it's so good. That would be like putting the Dolphins in the sun or the 49ers in the sun, which is what they did in Levi's Stadium, which made no sense.
0: Yeah, uh, Miami did a very good job. Stephen Ross did a very good job when they did that stadium redesign of making sure... That the opposing team is the one, uh, fully feeling the effects of that Florida sun in early in the season. Chicago, I think could have been a, a team that could have been on either of our lists, really. I mean, when you consider the windy conditions there. Yes. You're for the right. bears, right? I mean, it's just such a hard place to throw a ball and to kick. But they've if been we're so talking about weather. bad
2: for so long. That, that, that wind that's coming the off the thing. river.
0: Well, so that's the thing with all of this, right, is is how bad these teams are. For example, the New Orleans Saints, that's a team that years ago would have been on both of our lists, I think, because of how loud that Superdome is, and neither of us even considered them, and I think part of that has to do with the record.
2: Yeah, you can't stink and have a great home field. Event. You have to have at least some level of competency. Like, I have the Vikings on my list. They're not the greatest team, but they're not terrible and the fans are really loud. So you have to meet the minimum level of performance.
0: See, I went I went Denver on my list mm-hmm. at number five. So my list was Denver, Seattle, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Green Bay. Uh, Denver sucks. Uh, so... <laughs> So I didn't totally follow your philosophy there, but Denver is very thin air and they do have very good fans in Denver. If they stop sucking this season, they'll have even more of a home field advantage. Coming up next, what's the timetable for a Damian Lillard trade? We'll get into it. ESPN radios on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it.
0: in a Spurs uniform, actually play some NBA basketball. He is reportedly making his debut on Friday in Summer League. And Rob, Rob Guerrero filling in tonight for Joe Fortenbaugh. Tickets going as high as something like $617 for a, Summer League game. So the Wemby effect already in full force here in the NBA. Let's talk all things NBA. For that, we bring in Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter. And Bontemps, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start instead of Wemby. Let's go to a guy who's supposed to be on a move. Damian Lillard. I mean, he's supposed to be on the move. What is happening with him, though? How long do you expect this to take before I can actually say that he's a member of my Miami Heat?
4: Uh, I think it could take a while because we're really operating on the timeline that the Portland Trailblazers have uh, decided they're going to set out on to make this deal, and I think it's going to take a little while. They clearly don't like what Miami can offer right now, otherwise the deal would already be done. It's the same, frankly, for any other team um, at this point that's interested. So it's going to require a multi-team deal—you know, three or more teams—to get this done. Those are always pretty complex things to pull off. As my buddy Brian Winhurst likes to say, a three-team deal is a zero-team deal. And so it's going to be, I think, a process to see where this thing lines up because it's always complicated when you're trying to trade a star player like Dame. And when you combine his contract, his age, his position with so many teams already having point guards, and the fact that you know the deal on the table for Miami isn't good enough, you know this is clearly going to be a situation that's going to take some time to sort out
2: tim how much is dame lillard going to be willing to throw his weight around in this because in theory the blazers could find a great deal from somebody that maybe lillard doesn't want to go to but if he doesn't want to go there and makes that known the trade is not going to happen do you think that dame would be willing to do that
4: well i mean i don't really think that's the right way to think about this i mean if you're there's only teams that are Really having a chance to contend for something that are going to trade for Dame at this point. I mean, he's 33, he's going to be 33 next season, and he's owed a couple hundred million dollars over the next four years, right? So it only really makes sense to trade for him if you think you can win with him. And look, whether they're on his list or not, if say Philadelphia makes a deal for him and he can go play with Joel Embiid, I suspect that'll end up being just fine for Dame, right? So really, I think that what what the I think the bigger issue for Portland is that there's only a limited number of teams that it really makes sense to invest in the kind of capital it would take to take the trade for Dame. And, you know, the other part of it is, you know, if you're, if you're thinking that Dame is going to go for the same kind of package that Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell got traded for, it's just not really, I think a realistic expectation. So that's not to say that Portland's going to get nothing in this deal. I think they're going to get a pretty good return, but, but, you know, it, it's it's just a complicated deal on a variety of levels, from the amount of assets that are out there, from the, the you know, sort of the limited pool of teams that make sense to trade for him, setting aside where he wants to play, and, you know, his age and his contract and everything else. So you put all of it together, and like I said, I, I think it's a difficult deal to get done, and I think one that could take a little bit of time for – you know, Portland to get a deal on the table from somebody, whether it's Miami or elsewhere, that it feels comfortable making.
0: Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Rob Guerrero filling in tonight for Joe Fortenbaugh. So I know you think that Dame might end up there with the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's talk about that 76ers team for a minute, though. Of course, they have a piece that reportedly they may also trade away. What's happening with James Harden is putting that deal together going to take longer than a Damian Lillard type timeline.
4: Well, I would expect that James won't go anywhere until there's a will of trade because certainly if Philly is going to get involved, it would have to require moving harden elsewhere so um so that that is the first thing uh the second thing is, I think assuming Dane doesn't wind up in Philly, you know, I think the sixers preference would be to have James Harden play for them next season, so you know obviously everybody saw the pictures of him hanging out with Joel and Tobias Harris and. Uh, Josh Harris was also at Michael Rubin's white party. Michael Rubin, a former owner of the Sixers, certainly close with a lot of the players on the team still. Tyrese Maxey was there. So, you know, I, I think there's a hope that they can get James Harden on board and want him to play. And look, here's the other thing like, the Sixers sort of control the situation here. Like, Portland controls the situation as far as the Dame trades go. James Harden is under contract for next season, he's opted in. Like, there, he doesn't have a lot of ability to influence that situation. And frankly, for him to get the kind of contract he wants as a free agent next summer because he can't extend off this deal because of the league suspension rules, he's got to play and play well next season. He can't just disappear and then show up next summer and try to get paid. So, you know, uh, I think there is a chance that he winds up in Philly next season, depending on how things shake out. And if that's the case, it might be the best outcome. It's certainly the best outcome, I think, for Philly short of the game trade. And it could work out pretty well for Harden as well.
2: Tim, how much of what happens with James Harden impacts the future of Joel Embiid in Philly?
4: Well, again, I I think it's sort of a a long-range question, right? I mean, if the Sixers traded James Harden for a limited return, were not much of a contender next season, and then don't have the ability, you know, don't go out and add significant pieces in free agency next summer, then, yeah, I would think you'd start to look at it and wonder, What's the future of that team moving forward with Joel as a centerpiece? That being said, they've got to, they've got Tyrese Maxey, who's a terrific young player, could easily be an All Star caliber guard this season in his fourth NBA season. Um, if they don't sign anybody to a long term contract this summer, they have the ability to open up a couple of max slots next summer in free agency. It gives them a lot of flexibility to go out and add pieces around Joel um, and Tyrese Maxey in free agency. Um assuming at that point, you know, James Harden and Tobias Harris come off the books. Um, you know, so they, they have they have some different app avenues they can go down to have a, a really good team around Joel. And certainly they could have James Harden on the team this year, and if they'd have him on the team again, this Philly team was right there with Boston in the second round of the playoffs, and we just saw Boston get a little worse with the loss of Grant Williams. So um all that's to say that we're still pretty early on in this process. We've gotta see where things shake out. And if Daryl Morey has shown anything over his time as an executive in the league, is that he's able to go get players. And certainly I would expect whatever path Philly goes down, they're going to wind up with some players. Um, but I do think that there is certainly time in Philly to sort this out. they got got Joel and Tyrese have a chance to grow together for several years, and whether James is there or not, they have some flexibility over the next 12 months to add a lot of talent to the roster.
0: Grant Williams is now in Dallas per Woj. That deal went down, or at least the news broke about an hour ago. Tim Bontemps joining us here on ESPN Radio. Uh, so, Tim, we're obviously seeing changes in the NBA when it comes to these monster contracts, numbers that I realize that we're just gonna have to get used to with the new cap, but with the new CBA, there's the first tier, it's the first apron. There's the second apron, which makes it incredibly punitive if you go above that one hundred and eighty-two and a half million dollar payroll. Are we seeing in free agency right now any effects as those things roll out this next upcoming season?
4: Well, I think you're starting to see, even though some of the rules don't go into effect until next season, I think you're starting to see the impact of it already. I mean, Boston really just chose to make a financial decision to not keep Grant Williams. You saw um, Golden State, you know, shed the, obviously Chris Paul's a good player, but they also shed the Jordan Poole contract in that deal. Um, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, you know, Bruce Brown was sort of a different kind of finance, uh salary cap, casualty in Denver because they didn't have the mechanism to pay him. But, never could have paid to keep Jeff Green and chose not to. Um, So that's just three examples right there. And Eric Gordon was cut by the Clippers, a team that is never worried about spending money. And that, that saves Steve Ballmer $100 million under the new tax system, right? So I think you are seeing some impact from that already. You have also seen some flexibility in terms of the trade rules at the other end of the market, Cleveland, for example, was able to get Max Struess and George Niang in part because of the new CBA and some of the rules that were put in place to give teams that are below that first apron a, a lot more flexibility in trade. Um, so I think you saw that as a positive in the other direction. So, I mean, whenever one of these new agreements comes into place, there's usually a rush to decide you know, whether it's working or not or how it's playing out immediately. And I think usually two or three years into these six or seven year deals is when we have a much better sense of what the ramifications of some of the key parts of it are. But I do think, you know, as we move into this new environment with, you know, certainly the hardest salary cap a league has seen, even though it's not a hard cap like the NFL, um, how teams react to that second apron and the restrictions that are placed on them and how often we see teams blow through it, you know, like Phoenix has, for example. That's going to be one of the critical things to watch because it really could have a huge impact on how the elite teams are constructed and how talent is distributed across the league.
2: Last one for me, Tim. What do you expect from Victor Wembanyama on Friday night?
4: I just expect a fun show. Uh, Victor really likes the spotlight, he likes to play. Um, You know, it's not a coincidence to me that he chose to not play in the California classic and to instead make his debut on Friday night against Brandon Miller on ESPN, you know, in a, in a huge platform. He's going to play Scoot Anderson on Sunday, another huge platform game. Um, he's a guy that likes to be in the mix and, and have the pressure and be at the center of attention and have the ball in his hands and make plays. play. So, I don't know what numbers he's going to put up. I mean, he may have a huge game. He may go two for 12. I don't really care what his stat line looks like. It will just be fun for me as a basketball observer. I've watched this guy a ton on film and on TV, you know, playing in France over the past couple of years, playing against Team USA in the World Cup. I'm just excited to get a chance to see the guy in person on the court and, you know, see the beginning of what could be you know, certainly if he reaches his potential, a guy who we're going to be talking about for the next, you know, 10 or 15 or maybe even 20 years. I mean, it's the 20th anniversary of LeBron James being drafted into the NBA. And even though he's approaching his 39th birthday, we still talk about him all the time. And if Victor Mbignama, uh reaches his ceiling or comes somewhere close to it, then we could be talking about him in 2043. Um, he's got the chance to be that kind of player. And I'm just excited to see the start of it on Friday night.
0: Well, for a guy who likes to be the center of attention, he will certainly be that on Friday night on ESPN. Tim BonTEMs, thanks, Tim.
4: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, Rob Greer filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. Your turn to weigh in. This is where we open up the phone lines to you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Bring us your hottest takes. Who do you think has the NFL's most decided home field advantage? What did you think of our list throughout this show? What should the Angels do with Shohei Otani? Whatever you got on your mind. 888-SAY-ESPN. We play Caller Roulette next.
3: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: We had some breaking news about an hour ago from our very own Woj. Restricted free agent forward Grant Williams is finalizing a four-year, $53 million sign-and-trade agreement to land with the Dallas Mavericks. Boston is getting three second-round picks in the deal in return, 2024, 2025, and 2028. Not a shocking deal. A lot of people suspected that Grant Williams might be on the move one of those ca- casualties that we're seeing now under the new CBA. We are opening up the phone lines to you. Triple eight, say ESPN eight P N 8-729-3776. We love when you join the conversation here on Joe and Amber, let's play some caller roulette.
1: 13 black odd. No winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber.
0: Our most loyal caller, Terrence. Terrence calls us every night from Georgia, except Friday nights. Rob, that's the night that Terrence—he's got plans. You know, the man's got a life, but it ain't Friday right now, so Terrence is here like clockwork. Hey, Terrence, thanks for hanging out. What do you have?
1: Hey, hey. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming back to your regular show. I missed you. <laughs> Number thanks, two, Terrence. this NBA money—they throwing around. Jesus, I was born too soon and too short. <laughs>
0: No kidding, <laughs> weren't we all? Too slow, can't jump yeah. high enough. I mean, I got a lot of issues uh with that as well. Yeah. The money's wild. And it's something, Rob, that we're just going to have to simply get used to. I mean people freak like Halliburton's contract and some of these con even Van Vliet's like these contracts that are being handed out. It's where we are now with the new salary cap. So there's a lot of restrictions with the new CBA with these first aprons and second aprons. And on one hand, you're going to have teams feel like maybe they're penny pinching. And on the other hand, you have teams that are handing out monster money. And one of the things with the Van Vliet deal is people were maybe surprised that the Rockets would want to hand out that kind of money to Fred Van Vliet. But there was two components to it. One of those being obviously that they liked him as a player. They think he's good for the team and they think he's a good locker room guy to set a tone there under Udoka, but the other component of it of it is that they had the space and they had to spend it. Like They had the money and you actually do get penalized under if you spend under a certain minimum. So you're going to see that with these teams as well. They have to be within a certain range. So you'll see the teams like the Suns getting penalized and you'll see teams if they don't spend enough getting penalized. And so why not? Why not go ahead and spend some money?
2: Yes, you have to spend, I believe it is, at least 90% of your cap. Otherwise, if you don't, You get penalized the difference, and then that money gets spread out among the other teams. So you're going to have to pay that. Either way, you're going to have to pay it. So you might as well give it to a player. This doesn't bother me at all. Good. Give it to the players. The money either goes two places. It either goes to the players or it either goes to the owners. God knows the owners are getting enough of that money. Give it to the players. I'm all for it
0: yeah I'm all for it. I don't have a problem with it and boy it must drive NFL players crazy when they look at the salaries though of these NBA players because when you're talking about the NFL you're talking about a sport that makes a whole lot more revenue <laughs> and those owners make a lot like as much money as the NBA makes the NFL makes more and yet the salaries ain't comparable and I know the company line from the NFL perspective against the NFL PA would be. Shorter careers, more dangerous sport, yada yada. Much blah, bigger blah, blah. roster, bigger roster, spreading out more. Whatever. The reality is, though, that NFL players are underpaid, and so are NBA players. But at least their salaries look a little bit more insane than they get in some of those other sports. We're taking your phone calls. You can join the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN. Let's spin it. Mike in Manhattan, another regular caller. Hey, Mike, what do you have for us tonight?
3: Right, what's going on? I wanted to talk about the Dame situation. It's really fascinating because everybody's assuming that he's going to end up in Miami. But I'm not going to be so quick to see that happen. I could see Philly going all in. They have nothing to lose. They're getting rid of Harden. They want to move on. They can't get past the second round. So it's going to be interesting. But if you're Miami, you went all in. You've let Shrews go. They've let uh, Gabe Vincent go, who were two critical parts of the uh, the Heat team, and got him, got him to the finals there. So um, now Boston's making moves it's, it's because Graham Williams was one of their in, in, uh, important role players. So it's not certain. I thought he was sure he's going to go to Miami. But, guys, you see now with all these moving parts here, it's just so fascinating. is it so fascinating that he's going to go to Miami? Because I'm not so sure anymore. And And, you know, Pat Riley desperately wants him, but so does Philly. And it's going to be interesting to see who wins out in the end. How do you guys see this playing out? Cause I thought for sure it was going to be Miami, but I'm not sure anymore on how this is going to work out.
0: Well, thanks Mike for the call. I mean, the reality is that if Miami had an offer on the table that the blazers wanted, they would have already taken it. I mean, that's where he wants to go. That's, Who wants him? And so if they had a deal the Blazers liked, if they had come to an, you know, essentially if they'd put something in front of them that was worth their while, they would have already taken that deal. And so if you're a Heat fan like I am, you have to be nervous. You have to be nervous that somebody else is going to swoop in with a better deal. But also the reality here is, Rob, that if anybody had a deal straight up, anybody that was worth the Blazers time in their minds, it would have already gotten done. That's true with the Brooklyn Nets. That's true with the Spurs. You know, some of these other teams were actually in position to do it straight up, and we haven't seen it.
2: I almost wonder if it's like a race to whoever can get that third team involved the fastest, right? They're not calling, the Heat are not calling the Blazers. They're calling every other team to try and see if they could get that third team involved. Because you're right, if it was a two-team deal, it would have been done by now. So whoever they get in that third team, I think, is going to be the biggest factor and ultimately the winner.
0: And we saw it happen with Donovan Mitchell. All of a sudden, the Cavs come out of nowhere, and they weren't really a team that anybody expected. So on one hand, I'm more nervous. On the other hand, the longer it goes, I also feel like they're giving Miami more time to try to put something together, because it feels like that is the one team that Damian Lillard actually wants to play for. Maybe they'll give him the opportunity to try to make that work. Coming up next, we're going to give Freddie and Fitzsimmons an opportunity. This has been ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app.
1: This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to joe and amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m eastern plus you can listen on the espn app sirius xm channel 80 or on your smart speaker joe and amber the podcast